Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Stuff No One Told Us About Weight Loss. My name is Eloise and today I'm here with Aaron. You've got both of us today and we're talking about why diets don't work and what does work. And sort of also why we went down the route of learning, studying and teaching habit and behavior change because that was a big turning point for us and we're going to share a little bit about that in today's episode. It has been a journey. We've both had extensive experience with diets before. Yes. Different methods, different challenges, different programs. You know, one different diet you can name. We've probably seen, heard, or had experience with trying it ourselves. Yeah, and certainly from a young age, I was exposed to diets and a lot of different kinds of diets, as Aaron said. I tried diets from a young age. It was a point of focus for me in my life from a young age. And so I've sort of tried it all. And I think that's the case with a lot of our clients as well. Yes. Is they've had a lot of exposure to it from a young age. I also think something that's quite interesting is the idea that diets don't work is relatively new. Yeah. So back in the day... Diets were just the thing that everyone did to lose weight and there wasn't really an alternative. Mm. Whereas now people are starting to talk about the limitations of dieting and the different, many different problems that come up when you do try to go on a strict or restrictive diet as a way of losing weight. And the fact that while sure, many diets can help you lose weight, keeping it off is another story. And essentially, that's what we care about is how you keep it off, not who can lose 20 kilos in two weeks. Mm. Technically, anyone can. But can you keep it off after that is the golden question. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really interesting because I think as a whole, it's coming around full circle because as you just said before... It's been known for a long, long time now, you know, if you need to lose weight, you go on a diet. And that was always portrayed as the thing to do. Growing up as a kid, I always remember mum and dad would sit there and watch the news and then they'd watch whether it was a current affair or Today Tonight or one of those shows. And they always had the four same stories. And one of them was always to do with the newest way to lose fat. And here's a new diet that's proven to do this. And it was like every single (laughs) night there was something to do with losing weight. And they would show a lot of B-roll of very important looking doctors and scientists yeah. and it <laughs> to was make always, sure that you know that this is legit. It was some diet strategy. And I think that was just sort of portrayed as normal. Whereas I think now people are starting to realize that it doesn't work long term. And they're starting to cotton on to the fact of there needs to be something else, another approach if I'm going to do this long term. Just saying diets don't work isn't necessarily true. Mm. But what is true is diets don't work long term. So sure, if you want to lose weight quickly and you don't care about keeping it off later, a diet's going to work for you. Yeah. But the question is, is it a way you want to live your life? Is it the way you want to eat food? Is it helping you in the long term? Is it good for your mental health? Is it good for your physical health? There's so many different questions that come into play that a lot of people don't consider when they do jump on a diet bandwagon. Well, and that's exactly right. I think for a lot of people, they haven't previously considered like, what do they actually want long-term? What's Mm. the the long-term, what's the vision here instead of just the the sprint for the next six weeks or the next eight weeks? It's like, what do I want to be doing in 10 years? Do I still want to be doing a diet going on and off all that time? Yeah, and I think that we get caught up a lot with that sort of single-minded approach of, well, I just want to lose weight, 
and I don't care how it happens. I know that my life's going to be better when I lose weight. So I just need to do that however I can so that I get to the result. And then once I've lost the weight, then I'll figure it out later. Mm. Famous last words, my friends, because we never figure it out later. That's not how it works because what happens is you've lost weight. You're a smaller version of yourself. Well done. That's an achievement. But you haven't actually built any of those base habits, which is something we talk about a lot. So you're in this smaller body with the habits of the person you used to be. So what's going to happen as soon as you stop doing those strict diet methods? You're going to go straight back to those old habits and you're not going to understand or know how to keep the weight off long term because you simply haven't done that work yet. Yeah, that's right. It's like the, the operating system hasn't really changed fundamentally. Yeah. It's just been given a different task, which was lose weight in a short amount of time. And then when that gets achieved, you go back to the default operating system. And that is, as Eloise said, the operating system of the bigger version of you. So we've touched a little bit so far on why diets don't work. There's no long-term nature to them, really. But we want to go a little bit more into detail about exactly why diets don't work and why they're not really the best approach for long-term weight loss. Mm. There's so many different diets, you know, and they all have their, their rules and their sort of systems that they work by, but it makes the whole process of losing weight and keeping it off really confusing for people. Mm. And it just gives them a whole bunch of unnecessary information without actually telling them the true way of doing it. Yeah, there's a lot of random rules. Yeah. Rules that can be, ex- like, they're often explained, but they're, as you said, not necessary. Like, they're essentially random because they're not actually helping you directly lose weight. From a marketing perspective, they like to throw in things that are confusing to you so that you don't understand and try to make it sound like that is the cause of your weight gain. So it might be to do with hormones. Most people don't really have a grasp on what the hormones are doing in their body. And unless you're actually getting blood work done and seeing an endocrinologist, you're not really going to know what your hormones are doing. You're just speculating. Yeah, the funny part about that is if you speak to an actual endocrinologist, often they will tell you how bullshit all of these hormone diets are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one because a lot of people will jump to that first it's because it's easy to say, oh, it must be my hormones because it's really hard to know exactly what your hormones are doing and what the influence is. Well, yeah. And when you don't have an answer and you feel confused, it's natural. It's human nature for us to look for an explanation that makes sense to us at the time. And it also lets the pressure off. You know, because exactly. we're, we're it's constantly... It's not our fault. It's our hormones. Well, that's right. It's also where we're going around in circles in our head. And if we can put that pressure onto something that we don't know 100% through and through whether that's the cause, it's easy to go, well, oh, it could be this. Mm. But it's not taking ownership and going like, what am I actually doing that's leading to this problem in the first place as well? The other, the other thing that's really interesting is it's pushed everywhere. There's so much going on and there's so many ads that you see for new different diets, new different methods. There's even documentaries. No doubt if you're listening to this, you've probably seen that documentary on Netflix, Game Changers, which was a really interesting one in the way that they told the story. And if you look at it from that perspective, they did it really, really well because it convinced people that a plant-based diet is the be-all end-all and they showed you selective information that proved that bias correct. And when you think about it, 
documentary filmmakers are storytellers. Yeah. They're in the business of entertainment, not in the business of science and knowledge as much as they want you to think that Mm. and i'm not i'm generalizing here right i'm not saying that all documentary filmmakers are like that but i guess when you're making a documentary you're trying to tell a story and convey a point from your perspective as aaron said you're trying they're trying to convince you of whatever their sort of idea is Mm. and they will do that by picking and choosing bits of evidence and bits of science <laughs> that proves their story correct and that supports their argument, Yeah, which is great. But if you actually look into the science behind a lot of these documentaries, you will find an entire other side of the argument <laughs> that they just conveniently forgot to mention. Yeah. Uh, and it, with that, a documentary like Game Changers, that is very, very apparent there is an entire other side to the argument that they don't touch on at all. Mm. And they make it sound very convincing because there's scientists and there's research papers and there's all of these people talking about how whatever their argument is, is correct. And they're showing you stories of people who who prove it to be true as well. And yeah, it's just classic cherry picking in (laughs) the evidence, which is just something to be aware of, right? Yeah. You can still watch and get a lot out of these documentaries as long as you're aware of that inherent bias and that there's often another side to the story too. Yeah, and don't take it as gospel mm. because a lot of the times, as Eloise said, they're really cherry-picking the information that they show you. What's really funny with that is after that documentary came out, I'm not sure if you noticed, but at the same time the supermarkets conveniently moved all of the beans, you know, kidney (laughs) beans and lima beans at eye level on all the shelves and they put them on special and they were selling out faster than ever. Now, mind you... It's actually really interesting to see. They've been on the shelves for years, but no one touched them. After this documentary came out, they flew off the shelves Mm. because it created demand. Unfortunately, most of the, the typical diets that sway one way or the other so whether it's you know something like keto which is completely opposite to a plant-based diet because Mm. that's all protein and fats basically eliminating carbohydrates which is pretty much plants Mm. that will show you the evidence to support their arguments they will emit other pieces of evidence to make their argument seem more viable Mm. and i mean it's really interesting when you do start looking into all of this kind of stuff because Look, a supporting argument for the filmmakers and for people who put out articles and stuff that are quite biased one side. If we're being completely honest, presenting both sides of an argument is kind of boring. Yeah. And so, so like, they're trying to entertain you, as I said before, as their sort of number one thing. They want you to watch. And people will watch when it's controversial and when it shows one side and when they're sort of convincing you that this is good and this is bad. And in the same way that documentaries are more entertaining when they present like that, diets are also more attractive when they're very hard on a good versus bad idea or they're pushing this one idea is is the right way to do it. They then create that community aspect that I'm sure you've all experienced being on a diet where you have your community, your tribe, who all believe in the same nutrition philosophy as you do. And this also happens with exercise, but that's a different discussion. (laughs) And you get so entrenched 
And it's very easy to then, you know, not notice your confirmation bias where your brain is now only going to search. And this is how human brains work. And we've done another podcast episode on this. But your brain is now going to search out for information that confirms your beliefs to be true. And that's basically how diets work. (laughs) They present an idea in a very convincing way. They make you believe and and they draw you in that way. And then your brain does the rest of the work for them. You're bought in, you've got this community, and you're just going to search out for other information that confirms that. And yeah, when you're bought in and when you're following the diet and it's all exciting, you're probably going to see results because all diets work to an extent. But what is interesting is the reason why all diets work. Yeah. And the reason is coming back to the science of weight loss, which is kind of a boring topic, but this is how it works and I think it's important to understand (laughs) that your body will lose weight when you take in less energy than you burn so when you eat less food than your body burns each day on a fundamental level that's how it works yeah but that doesn't necessarily mean that you just start eating less and exercising more and you're just going to lose weight obviously there's so many aspects of life that make it not that simple but on, on a fundamental level Diets work because they help you take in less food. Yeah. They help you eat less for whatever reason, whether that's cutting out an entire food group, whether that's controlling your portions, whether that's swapping a meal for a shake, whatever the diet tells you to do, it's reducing your energy intake. Yeah. On a fundamental level. That's the whole thing. Like, maybe if you're listening to this, you might have seen we did a recent video on intermittent fasting. Mm. and our thoughts have changed on that youtube video check out our youtube channel if you (laughs) haven't already just on that same point it helps you reduce the amount of food you're eating let's just say for example you normally eat three meals a day breakfast lunch and dinner with something like intermittent fasting it basically just eliminates breakfast you don't eat from when you get up until about you know 12 o'clock one o'clock which is around lunchtime but you've skipped breakfast if you all of a sudden take three meals and you're minus one you're still eating two meals but overall you're eating less food Mm. and people take that as gospel and they're like, oh my God, it's so amazing. It's like simply because you're just eating less. That's it. Yeah. And on that other other side as well, for people who will try intermittent fasting and it doesn't work for them, Yeah. it means that they're probably eating more at their lunch and dinner meals or they're adding more snacks or they're exercising less because perhaps they have less energy because they're eating less food or whatever it is. But somehow that balance has not been tipped in the favor of weight loss. Yeah, Um, so it's really interesting when you sort of understand fundamentally how weight loss works and then you can see why all these diets yeah if you follow it correctly it will work simply because it's just getting you to eat less understanding that concept and that fundamental way weight loss works i think personally takes out the mystery and the confusion and the overwhelm of weight loss as an idea yeah and i think that's something that stops a lot of us from seeing the results we want or from living the life we want is because we sort of put weight loss on this pedestal And we think that it's not attainable and that there's all this magic going on below the surface. And that's where it's like hormones and genetics and blood sugars and insulin. Yeah. (laughs) And all of these magical concepts we don't understand. They play a role, yes. However, they're not the reason you're not losing weight. That's right. The people who do understand how they actually work will tell you that. 
And so that's why when someone starts talking about, oh, it's the hormones or it's the insulin, you've just got to tune out because those things aren't stopping you from losing weight. They may shift the energy balance equation slightly, but it still comes down to that energy balance. It still comes down to the amount of calories your body burns each day versus the amount of calories you eat in food. That's right. And as humans, our mindset, our mood, our routines, our lifestyle, our stress, all of this stuff comes into play, which is why it's not as simple as an equation. Yeah, and just on that point of confusion, it's so easy for people to get confused and wrapped up in all the hype because we've been exposed to it for so long. It's always been pushed, you know, from a very young age. And that's what leads to a lot of food fear and people forming a really unhealthy relationship with food. You know, Mm. they're they're constantly in this state of believing that there's some magic thing that they just haven't considered or or worked out or there's, you know, it's to do with my hormones or it's to do with I'm not eating a keto diet or I'm not intermittent fasting or I'm not doing this special thing, which is why I'm not losing weight. But at the end of the day, what's really happened there is from a young age, we've been conditioned through the media and through just misinformation that we've come so far away from those guiding signals that our body gives us that we don't know anymore how to actually lose weight naturally yeah we think there's a secret we think there's some special diet that we have to be on and we can't eat carbs and we can't go and eat our Mm. favorite foods because as soon as we eat one cupcake we feel like we're going to just gain all this weight and it's simply Mm. not true it's like that idea of confirmation bias because we can sort of prove that it's true by searching for evidence of, well, when I ate more of this type of food, I gained weight. And we'll go, well, that's well, that was the type of food. But what really is happening is you were probably eating that food when you weren't hungry. And this is an interesting conversation I was having with a client the other day. And she was sort of mentioning, you know, oh, I was eating this bread or this ice cream. And that's why I was sort of falling out of my routine and I was gaining weight because I was eating these specific types of foods and I don't normally eat them. And then when I asked a few more questions, we figured out that she wasn't eating those foods when she was hungry. She was eating those foods after or before she ate another entire meal Mm. when she wasn't hungry or she was eating them when she was hungry and then eating a meal right after. Yeah. That is another interesting thing when it comes to those sort of food fears and when we confirm those beliefs of, well, I can't eat that. Or an interesting meme that I have seen recently is like something about I'm one of those types of people who just looks at bread and I gain weight. Yeah. Right? And yeah, it's funny and it's like, haha, that's me too. But like, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're really just not doing yourself any favors if you do sit there and believe those stories because it's never the type of food and it's always the circumstances under which you're eating it. Yeah. I want to sort of share a bit of a story with you guys as well in that I went to a nutrition seminar one time and there was a nutritionist speaking about how carbs affect the body. Now, what's really interesting is as she was talking, you could just see the people in the audience like looking fearful about their food and then within a few days of this presentation finishing everyone was throwing all the bread out throwing all the carbs that they had in the house out the door simply because they were scared of it based on what she had told them which is really really silly because that is not the reason that they are struggling to lose weight and let's be honest anyone who's 
saying things like that in such a, an extreme way of like all of the carbs are bad, blah, blah, blah. They're cherry picking evidence. Yeah. There's a whole body of science telling you that it's not bad. Yeah. And this one person says it's bad and everyone believes that person, not the whole body of science that says it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> At the time I was studying through precision nutrition, doing my nutrition certificates. I was there to just observe and to just be a, a sort of a spectator. But it was really interesting just watching how blindly people were just taking what she had told them. And because she had sort of a one-sided view, it was just confusing people. At the end of the day, you could tell that they were confused and they then took action on what she said and it just it really wasn't helping the situation. Yeah, because bottom line, it's never a sustainable approach yeah. to chuck all the bread and pasta out of your house and decide never to eat it again. Because, like, I mean, let's be honest, that's not a life I want to live. Yeah. I don't want to cut bread and pasta out for the rest of my life because I like to eat it. And you can certainly eat bread and pasta and still lose weight. Another thing that's quite interesting to note is especially with a lot of particularly challenges. So the, the typical sort of challenge, you know, say it runs for six weeks is they give you a meal plan to follow, just eat what's on the meal plan. And then they give you an exercise regime and whether that's live classes or they give you workouts, you follow along with these workouts. And the problem is a lot of people will join a program like that and they'll try sticking to the meal plan and it might work for three, four days. Mm -hmm. And then they start to experience little slip ups because it's just, again, it's not sustainable for everyone. The thing that is kind of easier to get into is the workouts, right? And so people will start training every single day and they'll be doing either classes or these workouts and they fall into a pattern of relying on the exercise to bring the weight down. To make up for the eating habits that they can't seem to figure out or that feel difficult. Yeah, and that prevents them from actually seeing long-term results because all of a sudden they've just introduced a lot of exercise and they've essentially fallen into what we call as the exercise trap. A so, place that I'm very familiar with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's basically the exercise trap is the exercise is what's keeping you either maintaining your weight or losing weight to a certain point mm -hmm. until your body adapts to that exercise and then you've got to do more exercise to yeah. see us to keep seeing results from it and that's one reason why it's a trap because of that adaptation that happens and we need to keep doing more exercise another reason why it's a trap is because of the general reliance on something like exercise exercise takes a lot of time to do often exercise requires a lot of energy Exercise requires a fully functioning body. Yeah. And so the problem is when we rely on something like exercise, as soon as we get stressed or we get busy or our schedule's like super packed, exercise goes out the door. Mm. As soon as we get injured or we get unwell, exercise goes out the door. And what happens is when we don't have that exercise because we haven't built those eating habits, we're right back to where we were before. Yeah. And then because you've stopped the exercise, people will automatically think that, well, they're gaining weight because they stopped exercise. But that's not really what's happening here. The problem is you were relying on exercise. You gained weight because you didn't have eating the eating habits. Yeah. And you were just masking, like sticking a Band-Aid on the situation mm. with exercise. Exercise is like a Band-Aid yeah. when you're using it for weight loss. Exercise, as we've discussed before, is, is fabulous and fantastic and we love it for so many different health and physical health and mental health benefits. 
but it's not a sustainable weight loss strategy. That's right. If you're relying on it to give you the weight loss, it's not going to work in your favor a lot of the times. And I, I see it quite a lot. You know, the typical scenario is someone will come back to training. They're either getting back into it after a layoff. They'll start doing exercise and they'll start seeing some results. Maybe they've started running three times a week and they can sort of maintain that for a little while. And then they sort of hit a bit of a plateau. So they add another day or they go, oh, I'm just going to start running longer and longer and longer. And eventually they're running so much throughout the week and they're not addressing other areas. And then they start to develop tight calves and then tight calves start to turn into plantar fasciitis. And then they can't run, they can't walk. They go and see the physio and the physio says like, you need to rest because otherwise it's going to, to really keep hurting and get a lot worse. And so they stop all the exercise and then the weight goes back up again. And often that will confirm their bias of exercise is the answer to weight loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all when that could not. be avoided if enough time is spent on working on the eating habits. Because as we said before, it's simply an equation. Like if we can limit the amount of food that comes in, then we're going to lose weight. And then that doesn't mean starve yourself. That doesn't mean cut out all, the, all these foods. It simply means let's get a little bit more aware of what we're putting in our mouth. Yeah. Let's rein it in in very small ways, very consistently, and you'll find that it doesn't even feel like you're eating much less at all, mm. right? And that's something I think that a lot of people forget is they think that eat less means cut all your meals in half, <laughs> yeah. you know, eat hardly anything, starve yourself, feel hungry all the time. Yeah. And that's not what it is at all. Like as we, as we have another YouTube video on us leaving two bites behind at meals, that's eating less. You're eating less in a sustainable way that you keep doing. And if you do that over and over again, you're going to eat less overall and you're going to start to lose weight. Yeah, those really simple, simple, tiny little ways that you are eating less are enough for you to see results on the scale. And I think that that's something that people don't realize that mm. it's, it's not a big thing. It's really small. Yeah. But often we don't even give ourselves a chance to do the small things because we're so preoccupied with the big diets and the workout plans and all of these big, huge actions that we don't pay attention to the small things. Yeah. And the small things are what's going to drive the results, not just now, but they're going to help you keep the weight off in the way that those diets and workout programs aren't going to do. Because here's the truth. You can leave a bite behind no matter if you've got a busy schedule, no matter if you're stressed, no matter if you're very sick, no matter if you're injured, no matter if you're traveling, you can leave a bite behind. You can eat slowly. You can listen to your hunger signals and only eat when you're hungry, right? And that's the magic of that because you can't follow the meal plan or do the intense workouts or whatever when you're in all those situations. Yeah. But you can do the small eating habits. And that is why we're so very passionate about those small things because they are the answer that's right and i think like that was something that i noticed for sure when i started well when we both started studying through precision nutrition is they spoke a lot about changing behaviors changing the fundamental behaviors of how you're eating and that was the success that they had found you know mind you precision nutrition have worked with over a hundred thousand clients so they've got a lot of evidence and practice of doing this and they said time and time again most people need simplicity rather than complexity 
you know, we love to gravitate towards the complexity, you know, like diets and eat these specific foods and that specific foods because it sounds sexy. It sounds mm. cool. I'm you know, the first we wanna... person to love a complicated approach. Yeah, because <laughs> it gives people something to talk about with other people. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm doing this diet or I'm doing this method. But fundamentally, like if your goal is to lose weight and not have to worry about it for the rest of your life, that's not going to work. It's just gonna keep you in this cycle of jumping from diet to diet and stuck in that cycle of gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight. To fully change that, we need to change our fundamental operating system, our behaviors and our habits. Mm. And that's the big thing that I took away from learning with precision nutrition and going down the route of changing habits, changing behaviors, that's what I really took away from it. And that's why we've shifted our whole business and our whole approach to teaching this stuff. It certainly changed the way that I approached things after doing things one way for so long and going down that, like I was heavily in that world of diets and fitness things. <laughs> yeah. And the biggest question that changed things for me and that made me realize that I was on the wrong track focusing on diets and counting calories and eating specific foods and drinking protein shakes and doing all this stuff. What changed it for me was me asking myself the question, what do I want long-term? What's my life going to look like if I keep going down this road? And for me, it was like, okay, well, I'll keep counting calories and maybe one day I'll learn how to just count them in my head and I won't have to put them in a nap anymore. I enjoy exercise, so I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and I'll just keep exercising the way I'm exercising and I'll keep following all of these food rules. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, that's not a life I want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about it. I realized it was a big realization for me, that idea of I don't want my entire life to be thinking about fitness and weight loss. Even though, yes, it's my job, I don't want that to be a problem. I don't want to stop exercising and feel fear that I'm going to just gain weight. Mm. I don't want to stop counting calories and then feel fear that I'm going to gain weight. I just want it to be this natural thing. That's what then started me on that process as well of, okay, so if that's what I want in the end, I want to be able to naturally maintain my weight and not have to spend so much brain power on worrying about what I'm eating and how I'm exercising and not feeling guilty for doing it the opposite way. <laughs> If that's what I want, then the method I'm currently using is not going to get me there. Yeah. And so then it was like, okay, well, what is going to get me there? And then enter precision nutrition and all that stuff Aaron was just talking about. Hmm. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to need to change what my automatic habits and behaviors are. I think that that's very similar to me. It was a big turning point when I was kind of in the position of how our clients were when I was put in a position where I was going to see a coach and you know he would adjust my diet and we would do all these measurements, it was for a very short-term kind of goal. It wasn't a long-term approach by any means. But what was really interesting for me was I found myself constantly craving the things that weren't allowed, you know, that <laughs> yeah. weren't on the diet, that weren't part of the, the calories that I was supposed to be eating. And it was really interesting because at the time, like we'd sort of, just sort of started our business and we were teaching our clients counting macros and we couldn't work out why it was so hard for them to stick to counting macros is cool until it's not <laughs> yeah. you know until like you've been doing it for a while and then it starts you start to question why you're doing it and you're like do i need to keep doing this forever 
And the answer is no. Most people don't need that level of complexity. In fact, the majority of people don't need that level of complexity. And that's something that we learned from doing Precision Nutrition's programs. They were saying that even many athletes who previously we thought, okay, well, if you're an athlete, you definitely need to count them. Yeah. They were saying that even many athletes don't need to count calories and macros. They just simply need to get more in tune with their hunger signals and eat slowly and build all these small eating habits, eat more protein, whatever it is. Yeah. And at the time, that was a mind-blowing thing for me. I was like, well, damn. Yeah. These athletes can get results without this level of precision. Yeah. Like, what the hell am I doing? That's right. Why am I bothering? (laughs) Yeah. And I think what's really interesting is they showed evidence of that actually happening. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I learned since doing my level two was that whole thing around coaching athletes and working with athletes. And they say time and time again that even athletes don't need that level of complexity. You know, they're people too. They have habits. They have things that they like to enjoy and you know, they don't want to follow rules all the time. And they were saying, like, when we coach athletes to get them lean, we just focus on their habits. We don't give them numbers and things like that. And they showed here are before and after photos of athletes just by tuning into their hunger signals. And they were getting almost better results than they were when they were tracking numbers, simply because they were just focusing on things that they could control easy enough rather than stressing about specific numbers and getting really granular with it. Mm. And and that's something that's very consistent with all types of diets. They make you feel like you need to do it perfectly or everything's gone to hell. On a diet like keto, for example, if you eat carbs, well, you're out of ketosis now. It's yeah. all ruined. If you're choosing to go vegan, you eat one animal product and you're cast out by the vegan society. Yeah. That, to me... That's not how what food should be like. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be a source of stress. <laughs> it shouldn't be this, this source of, well, I have to only do these specific things. And if I don't do it specifically, how it's written on the piece of paper, then I may as well just eat everything and anything and I'm screwed. Yeah. So much emphasis is put on these specific foods that we eat and what specific types of foods we're putting in our mouth. But at the end of the day, that matters very little for many people, for most people. What matters much, much more, and something that's really never addressed in diets, is how we eat. And this is something we talk about a lot. What speed are you eating at? Is your body physically hungry or not? When are you stopping eating? How much food are you putting in before you stop eating? Mm. Are you listening to those hunger signals that tell you when to stop eating? And for most people, the answer is no, they're not paying attention to that stuff and they're worrying about the specific foods. Am I eating bread? Am I eating dessert? Am I eating chocolate? Yeah, because I think a lot of people are scared about developing all of these problems, but the problems that they're worrying about developing are primarily caused from just eating too much. In general, too much food causes a lot of stress on the body, Mm. both when you've eaten it and then when it's stored as body fat. Not to mention if you eat too quickly, you get a whole host of of issues like digestive stress, digestive upset, and many people will put those symptoms down to the specific foods they ate and they'll never even consider how fast they ate it or whether they were hungry when they ate it. Yeah, I'm one of them. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) I, for a long time, have had issues with digestion and constantly feeling upset after eating food. And we did a little experiment when we did start learning with precision nutrition of slowing down. And it was a massive difference. Massive. Mm. Like overnight, the symptoms and that would cut in half, maybe even into only a third. Yeah. Eating the exact same foods, but changing how he ate them. The speed. That was it. It's something that no one gives themselves a chance to try because it's never taught. And that's why we want to talk about this so much and sound like broken records because it's so important. Yeah. We've had the wool pulled over our eyes for so long and fed all this information that, oh, it's because of the gluten. It's because of this. It's because of that. Like that's a whole nother... Gluten's a classic conversation. I mean, that's another (laughs) rabbit hole we could go down. But again, like there's been studies put out that time and time again, people can actually like for example, with gluten, digest gluten. But again, people have this fear around eating gluten. Mm -hmm. And then if you notice like at the supermarket or on food labels now, if it's got gluten-free, people will choose that option over something else when it's pretty much the exact same product. But anyway, we're not going down that rabbit hole now. (laughs) So I think like at the end of the day, like we have to think about intentionally creating the habits in the right areas. So we're creating a foundation. And if you listened to my podcast I did previously, I gave an example of running. You know, running is something that we can fundamentally all do. You know, when we learn to walk, the next stage is to start running. If you can walk, you can walk really fast until you run. Yeah, you start moving your feet a bit quicker and eventually you start to kind of run. But the problem is, you know, let's just say someone goes and wants to do like a half marathon or a a long distance run. You might have two different people. The approach of the first person is to go out and they'll get sucked into all the marketing and they'll go and buy the fancier shoes, the new outfits, the sweatbands. They'll go and run on a special track. They'll get a new watch. All of the gizmos and gadgets, hoping that that's going to make them a better runner. Whereas on the other hand, person B goes and seeks the help of a run coach to learn how to run better, how to fundamentally do that thing a little bit better learn better techniques, learn better foot placement, foot speed, how to run better because that's going to serve them longer because then they're not going to get injuries as they do it. Whereas the first person who just went out and bought all the stuff, they're just trying to run with what they know is the best that they can do. And it might not be correct. They might be running in a certain way. They might be taking steps in a certain way, which is actually causing them to get injuries. Whereas the person who's actually learned how to run fundamentally avoids all of that. And it's the same with nutrition. You know, a lot of people can learn a few techniques and different ways of their eating, as we've spoken about before, slowing down, learning when to recognize that you're physically hungry and when you've actually had enough to eat. And if we can do that, that's going to get us 95% of the way there. We speak about all of these eating habits and how important they are, and we talk about how specific foods aren't important. But the thing is, it's never an all or nothing type of thing. If you get all of your eating habits down and you're listening to your hunger signals and you're doing it really well, a few years down the track, maybe you do start looking at what foods are you eating? Can you change that in certain ways to get better results? That's right. But that's 
often people flip it and they do that first before they have the eating habits and that's when it doesn't work. Mm. But if you do it the opposite way, you've built the base of your eating house. You can now start putting walls and a roof on if you have that base laid. If you've never laid the foundation, then stop trying to put the roof on because it's just going to fall down. Yeah. And I think in terms of actually building habits, healthy habits are kind of thrown around as just like do this thing and it's, it's really hard for a lot of people. And I think it needs to be broken down into really small, doable actions that you can achieve success every single day because that's a really big part of it. Seeing that success and building that self-trust through tiny little actions that you can do. Some days are going to be awesome. Other days are going to be completely crap and life's going to be really turning it up for you. Mm. You've still got to be able to experience success even on those really bad days. And that requires a bit of flexibility. Yeah, and that's why we're so passionate about not just habits, but flexible habits and making sure that no matter what life throws at you, you're prepared. You've got a minimum baseline that you can do on the worst of the worst day that still gets you to log a win for the day. And that win for the day is probably the most important thing. And it's something that most people never think about because they set their standards so high. I have to do all of these things perfectly, otherwise the day's a fail. Mm. If I eat one thing off plan, then, well, my eating habits are going terribly. And that's just not it at all. If you set your minimum baseline, it means that you get to build that consistency and you get to get those wins and give yourself evidence that you are taking positive action and give yourself that evidence that you are changing your life which is what builds that self-trust and that's what gets those results. Yeah. There's a really good quote from the book Elastic Habits. One that of our really, favorite books. That, yeah, that really sums that point up perfectly. To prioritize consistency means to set your marks low enough that you won't ever miss. It means to make your minimum requirements showing up instead of showing off. Ooh, <laughs> that is a good one. Because, yeah, when you think about it, there is an element of us trying to show off when we're trying to tell ourselves that, oh, I'm following this diet and all this meal plan perfectly. Yeah. Look at how well I'm able to stick to these really strict rules. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, come back to me in three years. Show me how well you're sticking to those food rules then. Yeah. Show me your weight loss results after three years. It's great that you lost... 20 kilos in two months but talk to me in three years yeah tell me how those habits went that's to me what matters yeah that's showing up if you can show up for yourself every day and i think a lot of that also gets distilled down to learning to manage your mind because at the end of the day your mind is what controls everything your mind is telling you then to pick up the food and put the food into your mouth and to eat and a lot of the thoughts that we have lead us to feel a certain way and then to take a certain action. And I think that's a key piece that's missing from a lot of programs, that mindset element, because mm. it's huge. You know, the beliefs that we have about food, yeah. they massively shape our results. You know, if we're terrified of foods, we're gonna be constantly living in fear and constantly thinking that there's this, this thing that's out to get us. Whereas if we change our beliefs around, all of a sudden we experience a whole lot more freedom and it doesn't feel like such a stress in our life. We don't have to constantly be worrying about this problem that's been there for so long. The other interesting thing about mindset is when you think about it, 
the person who loses weight and keeps it off is the person who continues doing the things that lead to weight loss or weight maintenance. The person who can sort of stick out the habits the longest is the one who wins. Yeah. The deciding factor there is the way you think about things. So what leads us to quit a diet or to fall off the bandwagon? It is us thinking that we fell off the bandwagon. Yeah. It is us deciding that we've stuffed up. So why bother continuing? It's those thoughts that lead us to quit and then not see results. Whereas if we change those thoughts and we go, okay, I messed up one little thing. That's okay. What can I do now to move forward? Mm. If you think that way every single day, you'll get to your result. And it's something that I often say to clients. If you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you will eventually move forward towards your destination. Yeah. It is inevitable if you keep putting one foot in front of the other. But if you stop moving or if you decide to go off in a different direction, well, now I can't say that you're going to get to the destination because you're no longer going in that direction and you're not moving forward. Weight loss is literally every day you make one choice that moves you one step forward. Yeah. And it is inevitable you will get to that destination. You will achieve your weight loss and you will keep it off if you keep making those choices every day. That's right. It's no, just no a series of small go. steps, yeah. you know, that you take every single day. And as the more you do that, the more those behaviors become automatic and they become habits. And that's exactly what we want to create. We want the behaviors to feel automatic enough that you mm. don't really have to think about it. Yeah. And that's why we're such big proponents of those small, small eating habits and those small things like how you eat versus the specific foods you're eating. Because with diets, you're never going to get that. Mm. You're never going to have that experience because it's too strict. There's too many rules. It doesn't allow us to live our life and achieve the result. Whereas when you have less rules and it's only these really small things you have to do each day, well, that's much easier to stick to. It's going to be much more likely that you are going to keep moving forward and achieve that result if you use that approach of small habits. It allows you to build trust in yourself. Building that self-trust is really important because when things go wrong, that's where you, you sort of fall down to is you come back to that self-trust and if you haven't built that, you're going to quick, pretty quickly throw in the towel. But if someone trusts themselves enough to know they're gonna figure it out, they're going mm -hmm. to work out a way to make this work, they just keep moving forward. They don't question it. You know, if you give yourself no other option but to figure it out, your brain will go, all right, let's do this. Like, we've got to make this happen. But if you're giving yourself an out before you're even starting, it's just not going to work. Or even worse, giving yourself that ultimatum of if I don't achieve the results by X date, then I'm going to stop and do something different. Yeah. And it's like you're setting yourself up for failure there, mm. right? And this is something that was really big for me this time around on this journey that idea that you just said Aaron I'm going to figure it out and just trusting that even if I have setbacks and I have had many setbacks knowing that I can go off track for a little bit and it doesn't matter because I'm I know that I'm going to figure it out and I'm just going to get back on again and keep moving forward mm. and that tiny little mindset there is I would almost say the key to weight loss if you take nothing else away, it's that idea of, I'm going to figure this out no matter how long it takes. Yeah. If you have that mindset, you literally cannot lose. 
That's right. We've covered quite a lot in today's episode, and there's obviously much more we could talk about it. We've discussed why diets don't work, the many different problems with diets in general. We haven't really gone super specific today. It's more diets as a concept (laughs) and why habits as a strategy is the answer to the long-term weight loss that you're looking for. Yeah. It's about building that foundation, as we said, with such things like the running example. If we don't have the foundation there, it's going to be really difficult. And that also stems to our thoughts. Like if we're thinking a certain way, that's going to influence how we act. So it's about taking a look at the system as a whole Mm. and thinking long term. You know, who is the person we want to become? What sort of things do they think? What sort of habits do they have? Mm. That's how we want to reframe it. We don't want to think in terms of short little sprints like the next six weeks or the next, you know, two months. We don't want to look at what we eat in isolation Mm. which is so often what diets do is they make us focus on what we eat as the answer to all of our problems when as a human being you are much more complex than what you put in your mouth yeah there's so many things there's your eating habits which is one thing diets never address there's your lifestyle habits another thing that many diets don't address and your mindset habits yet another thing many diets don't address yeah and all of those things come together to create not just your results but your quality of life in general yeah and at the end of the day we don't just want weight loss results in isolation we want a better life for ourselves yeah we want to feel good in order to feel good it requires you to build those habits it requires you to live that life not just eat those foods yeah So we hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and that you got some really good takeaways from it. And we will both see you next time in the next podcast. Bye-bye.